Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hacking HR podcast, the show where we talk about the amazing future of human resources and all things at the intersection of future of work, technology, innovation, organizations, transformation, and people. At Hacking HR, we believe that human resources can become the most important trailblazer, leading people and organizations successfully and effectively into the new reality of work and life. To do that, we must rise to the challenges of our times, shoot for the stars, and achieve our fantastic potential. During this show, we discuss ideas, insights, data, experiences, stories, and anything else that can contribute to helping you become and be a better HR leader and practitioner. Thank you so much for joining us today and enjoy the show. The burning question about HR still never got solved. That's when I decided to switch gears and go like, you know what, I need to be in the corporate job because everybody tells me that consulting life is one piece. The other is implementing it and the actual challenges that you face in your job. So you haven't really done it or you haven't earned your stripes if you haven't really implemented your recommendations, right? It's like pretty much like a doctor trying to sew off their one arm. <laughs> Bad analogy, but yeah. Uh, so I decided to do that, switch gears, join PepsiCo at that point of time. And that's when I actually implemented, honestly speaking, the first time in OD intervention, where we're looking at power of one strategies and so on and so forth, combining sales and stack beverages. And that was a complete eye-opener for me. Rohit is the head of HR at Ojan Coca-Cola Beverages Company. He has an extensive experience in transforming organizations across 19 countries. Rohit has won a host of international accolades, developed case studies, chaired events, and conducted corporate trainings. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. Once again, one of the things that I get the most excited about these conversations is the fact that I can have them with people that are all over the world. And that's always really refreshing and energizing, not only because we hear all of these incredible perspectives, but also because of the connections that we're able to, to, to make and how we're bringing all of these global perspectives to other people in our network. I think we are in the time of community, we're in the time of global collaboration, and that's why I'm happy that technology allows us to do that, but at the same time, I'm happy that we're also making it intentional, that we're also building those connections. So very happy to welcome, Rohit. How are you doing? Absolutely fine, Enrique. Good to be here. Well, thank you so much for joining me, and very happy to have this conversation. You've been in the world of HR for quite a while, and you are a well-recognized, rewarded, awarded HR leader. And that comes, of course, with all the the sweat and all the hard work you've done, but also with all the, the passion that you have put into creating a better HR, an HR that is more centered in the human, but also that is centered in the business. So tell me about your journey. Tell me about what, what why are you so passionate about HR? Why are you so passionate about connecting HR with, with business strategy and transformation? Right. I, I like the way you went rewarded and you corrected yourself and you went avoided. And I was just about to correct you. I was like, I don't know about reward so much, but yeah, <laughs> glad you did that. Right. Um, and, and I also like the way you said you've been all over and I was wondering about to say all over the place, <laughs> like you're not sure what you're about to say. So a couple of funny things. Anyhow, uh, so uh, my journey in HR 
I, I won't say it's been that long. And honestly, time is just in essence, you never really, it's relative, right? From person to person. So I've been in the field of HR for almost about 12 years now. I passed out in way back in 2008 from one of the most premier B schools uh, in the world in the field of human resources. That's Xavier Labor Relations, Relations Institute in India. And uh, that story itself was by accident. I never wanted to go into that B school, but my parents, typical to all the parents in India, decided to enroll me because they said, that's the best you've got. <laughs> if it's not the IITs and the IAMs, <laughs> you have the you might as well make the most of it. Uh, so typical to an Indian child, you never really had an opinion of you and at that point of time, it was thrust upon you. Uh, in that period of time, I had also done my BCom on as a Delhi University. I always felt that there had to be more to HR than what was just being taught in class. Uh, a, I found that being very archaic. B, I found that being highly dis dystopian in the sense I could not relate to it in the workplace. And sure enough, I did my summers with Ernst & Young. Uh, uh, we did an org transformation project and immediately fell in love with it. Uh, I felt there could be a lot of scope in the field of OD. And, and that's when I signed out with KPMG. That was the first company I started working with. My projects used to be hardcore org transformation, change management. That was my core. I loved it. But again, the question which kept beating me in the back of my head was fine. We're doing great stuff to the business from an HR standpoint. Where's the core of HR? And that's where Hay Group came up to be. And I switched uh, roads, joined Hay Group at that point of time. Uh, hardcore into competency frameworks, compensation, and of course, building the OD vertical for them as we went along. Did a couple of projects across the globe. The burning question about HR still never got solved. That's when I decided to switch gears and go like, you know what? I need to be in the corporate job because everybody tells me that consulting life is one piece. The other is implementing it and the actual challenges that you face in your job. So you haven't really done it or you haven't earned your stripes if you haven't really implemented your recommendations, right? It's like pretty much like a doctor trying to saw off their own arm. <laughs> Bad analogy, but yeah. Uh, so I decided to do that, switch gears, join PepsiCo at that point of time. And that's when I actually implemented, honestly speaking, the first time in OD intervention, where we're looking at power of one strategies and so on and so forth, combining sales and stack beverages. And that was a complete eye opener for me. And I realized, aha, so all these things that we've been learning, practicing, advising, and now when we come to doing, I could connect the dots as to the gaps associated with the HR. And the major challenge I was right back from my school days, which I felt, was a lot of the stuff that we do in the field of HR hasn't really been questioned. Why do we do it? Fine, the studies were there back in 1950s. Are they still relevant in this day and age? Given the huge amount of human data that we have right now, given the fact that we're in the knowledge era, does that still remain relevant? Do these concepts uh, have scalability? Are they still reliable uh, or not? And people seem to not question that. Case in point, probation. Do we still need to have probation? Uh, if you're trusting your employees, why do you need to police them by building policies which are more police-oriented rather than trust-oriented? Hence the resurgence of employee experience. Design thinking as a concept existed since the 1970s. It's not new. It's just that's become the new buzzword. And it's nothing much. It's simply put, just designing things right by your people, which is a subset of your employee experience. So the connection, and just like, you know, old pair of jeans or bell bots, which keep coming and going out of fashion and the big sunglasses, HR terminologies keep going and bring it out of fashion. But the one thing which never really gets solved is everybody keeps saying, oh, we don't have talent. And I find that absurd. And I'm like, how can you not have talent? Because it exists. Now, the fault lies in you if you're not able to identify the right people for the right skills. And that's where the other thing which I used to find really weird about HR is you're trying to fill a round circle and a square peg or a peg and a round hole or whatever way you want to position it. But you're trying to 
mold people because you select people based on values on behavioral competencies and so on and so forth interestingly enough you compare company a you compare company b to a quick google search no company says i'm unethical no company says uh, we want the lousy talent everybody says we are the most ethical we are the best talent so for me my passion for hr began with first of all let's get the faff out let's cut the crap let's talk sure facts and the minute you get to bad facts you say you people oriented but your policies are not you say you want to go right by your organization you want to be a business partner do you really understand how you can be a business partner uh case in point you know classic example i give this to people is if you have pay ranges and you were to hire people based on min mid max what would you hire people at the irony of the situation is organizations are different levels of evolution uh, different life cycles some organizations are evolved where they have such pay scales some are not so they would ask you for pay slips and they would be like show me a pay slip and then i'll figure out what salary to give you and i'm like by that you're not going by your pay ranges and they would no but we save the company money and i was like that's not how it works because you got to you you spoil your entire pay ranges now the irony is that's not hr business partnership so what's the situation which has happened is over the period of time hr has constantly felt being challenged uh, by the businesses by other functions and it's constantly felt the need to justify itself yeah and that's the sad truth yeah. uh, my area was primarily because a i started with the notion that there is something wrong in hr let me see what i can fix it b was if hr realizes what that gap is rather than trying to please others how about pleasing yourself and doing the right thing doing right by the people and do the job that hr as a function is supposed to do and then start taking care of others it's similarly as an analogy when you're in an aeroplane people say you need to first wear your mask and make the others afterwards yeah. it's the same principle fix the hr function inside out rather than constantly trying to go by what others expect of you it's true of even people isn't it yeah absolutely and actually i i have a saying i'm not me actually i i covered somebody else that nobody can give what they don't have and you know you can't you can't really help your business succeed your people succeed your your company become a better place to work if you don't do the same thing for your own internal hr function which is right. the irony of, of all these things right that we try very often we try to do something for others we when we either can't or don't want to do it for ourselves but let me ask you this right you said before that when you started your career in hr you you went on this journey of of looking at what of learning about what you thought you uh, wanted hr to be and what hr really was right and there's a gap in there right between what yes. somebody was uh, and what you wanted to be and and that gaps in in many sense uh in, in, in many regards it still exists in uh, in hr so when you think about the ideal hr you know imagine that you we wipe out everybody's memories nobody think anymore about what hr looks like and then we all vote for rohit to say this guy is going to be the one designing the hr from scratch how how would it look like what what does that hr look like Hey, okay, I'll give you a scary, scary what-if scenario. The scariest what-if scenario for a lot of HR professionals out there would be: Do you really need HR at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. If you have chatbots which are actually looking at uh, giving you all the questions, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a very simple scenario. An ideal HR would be there. You can feel it, you can sense it, but you don't necessarily have to have daily interaction with. For example, your policies should be simple enough for even a toddler to understand. Yeah. Do not complicate that. you should be able to communicate effectively with employees that employees know everything about the organization rather than saying 
sorry, this is confidential. This is above your pay grade. You know, those kind of things and roadblocks where you constantly, for simple operational aspects, need to refer back to your HR business partner or your HR counterpart. It creates an unnecessary need for constantly having somebody over there. Now, if the information moves smoothly and freely to every employee in the organization, you trust them, you empower them to make the correct decisions. Uh, you don't need somebody to answer queries associated with HR. So the employee self-service becomes higher in the scheme of things. It's not necessarily grade-based, it's person-specific role individualization. The second thing, going from that stream of individualization, uh, rather than applying a one true fits all, HR ideally should individualize as per an individual's attributes. Gone are the days where you actually ask people, you know, targeted BEIs and asking about situation-based judgments and then using analysis based on that and hiring them on a job. You now look at the individual and understand what can you bring on the table? You know, what is something different that probably we don't have in this group? And we need to bring that difference in and see how we can best use it. At the same time, let the person judge how he can best use it or she can best bring it on the table. It's not your job to only necessarily find, your job is to arrange a sort of a, I don't know, I don't know the example over here, but basically ensure that it's a two-way street. The organization finds the right person, the person fights the right organization. Gone are the days where we were very organization oriented. Now we need to be more individualized and individual talent oriented. Uh, of course, the role of HR in the dark ages was completely different. Now we don't get into that, but that's the future of HR. You know, in the sense, it needs to be a lot more human, and at the same time, less involved and more decentralized yeah. uh, to that extent. Um, so policies becomes that uh, ease of doing business becomes that. At the same time, as the last leg of it is, you need to start talking business. Uh, for example, you have old concepts of job evaluation, whether you take point factor or method, any of the approaches, they're outdated. Yeah. How do we bring that on the table? Do we still need to do sore thumbing? Yes, no. Do we, can we look at AI algorithms? If it's coded, you can simply look at number-based evaluations and you can move forward. You don't necessarily need to spend months and years to do that. Employee engagement surveys. You don't tell me you need every six months to understand what your employees feel. If the culture is correct, they will be able to tell you that on a day-to-day -day basis on your face rather than doing it anonymously. So yeah. th that's the difference where HR should be driving that change. So you rightly said there was an as is, there was a 2B, and my dream is to bridge that 2B in whichever organization that I join. And I do, I guess, a decent job of that over these last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I know you are uh, talking about uh, an HR function that is that is definitely more uh, attuned to the human because it is understanding better the individual, individual uh, individualized or customized services for for your people. And technology allows you to do that now. You know, you know, I mean, there there. Um, the amount of work that needed to be done for this to happen before can be really automated now uh, with technology. Let me ask you this. One, I'm a runner, right? And I am a long distance runner. And long distance runners, we have certain kind of training, nutrition and whatnot. So, you know, like my arms are small, you know, like I don't have that much muscle in my upper body and whatnot. But if you go to a boxer or to a wrestler and whatnot, they are really big and strong because they don't mind like the weight and whatnot. And the reason why I'm using this example is because depending on what we want to do as a function, we got to train our muscles to be able to do that effectively. And we can't train for a marathon by eating like a wrestler eats. Or we can, you know, train for wrestling if we are very, you know, tiny in our muscles, in our arms, like a marathon runner would do. 
So what is the right workout for HR to get ready for this future that you're talking about? What, is the, what are the capabilities? What are the things that we need to be focusing on to, be, to have the muscle to focus on these things that you talked about? All right, okay. So I love that question. So the best part about HR, first of all, is to not have a siloed view about things. Mm -hmm. So taking a cue from your example, you look at talking about sports, of course. Uh, of course, you can't have somebody who's looking at a long distance runner and ask them to do a sprint. Even the muscles, the way you're training, your training regime is completely different. Organizations at the same time, if you look at larger organizations, which would have roots in multiple businesses, multiple countries, multiple sectors, uh, they would require very different skill sets at different times and different times in different places. Even the subsidiaries or the holding companies could be at different life cycles themselves. Uh, some could be an evolution stage, some could be growing up, some could be in a recession or probably a resurgence. The element of HR over here is to feel the business pulse. And the way to feel the business pulse is not necessarily through just numbers. You can also look at your own people, how engaged they are, how much they're bringing onto the table, whether you have the people who are actually delivering on the job or you are actually sticking on with their share numbers. The reality over here is that business should be, so HR should A, first of all, as a capability, be able to understand how it needs to constantly mold itself. So for us, we don't have the luxury of, you know, just being like boxes. You could pretty much, uh, we, we are like water. You put me in whichever cup, I should need to be able to take that shape. It's as simple as that. And when the going gets tough, you need to keep hitting against the water. The water will find a way out. With HR, uh, you need to be able to mold yourself into the requirements of not, of not only the people alone, but the organization and marry the two together. Uh, to that extent, if you are siloed in your view, not collaborative, not having a holistic view of the organization, not understanding things from a long-term perspective, but from a short-term objective-oriented approach, you would miss out on the big picture. You would miss out on the, uh, on, the, on the big game. Having said that, the irony of the situation is also is that you need to be able to deliver results as of today, because tomorrow keeps fluctuating given the crises that keep happening. So reality, a sense of reality today, which is a pulse check, and then future orientation, seeing are we on the right track or not? Yeah. If not, speak up. If yes, then go ahead and share those credit with everyone where it's due. Absolutely, love, love, love that. And, and we definitely have to be, you know, I think Bruce Lee said that too, you know, you gotta be like water, you know, be okay. able to, to uh, change shapes and forms depending on, on what's going on. And I, I absolutely love that. Now, Roy, you've been in the, in the consulting space, you've been in the corporate world, and these, these dreams that you are sharing about the kind of HR that you want to have, how to get there, they, there's, you know, we, there's not a straight line to get there. There's a bunch of stuff in, in, in the middle to get there. In, in, in your work, trying to build this kind of HR, what have been some of the most important obstacles that you have encountered along the way and how, how have you dealt with them? Right, so the biggest challenge, which I guess anyone who's doing a transformation assignment or change management project feels is uh, the, the, the futures, you know, the future vision that you have needs to be bought in. So the top management buy-in in order to see that through is extremely critical because a lot of change immediately brings in a lot of retaliation. To that extent, people obviously do not react well to change. Uh, not many people can see the end result also. So you need top management buy-in, extremely strong top management buy-in, 
At the same time, once the momentum starts going, you need to ensure that you're able to deliver quickly and ensure the communication is going on across the entire organization. People see the quick wins, people buy into the idea, and more and more, you don't necessarily need to then rely only on the top management, but you have employee work groups, you have uh, research, you, you, you have emerging leaders who not necessarily have senior ranks, but have the years of a lot of people make that movement for you. So you identify those people to keep the momentum going. Uh, the major challenge over here is for somebody like me, uh, and in my in my previous uh, transformation projects and transformation assignments, it's always been the fact that I enjoy transformation journey once it's accomplished and you've set out on that road, you've accomplished something which wasn't done in all these years. So what next question comes up again? Because you can't be all obviously happy with status quo. You need to be able to challenge that. But that's where the trick lies. So you've made that journey. It's a difficult journey. You probably have parted the Nile and you've crossed over, whatever you've done. Uh, at the end of the day, you can't just suddenly say, okay, now we let's make another camp and let's move off again for another battle. N sorry, you need to figure out how much time you need to spend in freezing it, unfreeze it, refreeze that situation again. So that getting the equation right, along with the business requirements is, is again, talking about getting the pulse of the organization. So for me, the biggest challenge always has been the top, top margin buy-in maintaining the momentum, ensuring people across the organization buy-in, and then knowing when to make that transition again. Because you will have people who would be laggards, you would have people who would be tired, there'll be people who would be saying, okay, let's go for the next one. So that becomes the main challenge, balancing it. Absolutely, and you mentioned something before that goes to the core of the work that uh, people do when it comes to design thinking, which is quick wins. And uh, you know, there's always, there's always this, you know, design thinking is not something that you can do overnight. You gotta take time to do that. You gotta listen to people. You gotta get feedback. You gotta iterate and 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 move this around to to make sure that whatever you are designing actually ends up working. And uh, very often, what happens in the world of HR is that we either want to design something end to end, and by the time we get to the second end, it's already too late because it doesn't work anymore, or we get sort of hung up in the complexities of the process, and we lose the ability to deliver quick value, to deliver quick wins, okay. to keep the people that are letting us do that or working with us on that enthusiastic about what we're doing. So I, okay. when, people, when people ask me about the same thing, I always tell them, you know, focus on what's important, focus on the projects or problems that you can get champions for to help you out, but also where you can get the quickest wins in the organization. No, that's not gonna last forever, but at least at the beginning, it's gonna help you create the momentum and the business case to say, give you a little bit more time, a little bit more resources, a little bit more headcount to be able to continue to do this so effectively. Absolutely, absolutely. You, you need to be able to understand one thing. Not everybody has that shared vision. You are the person who's envisioned it and you need to make it simple for everybody else to be able to also come with you on that journey. And not everybody has that, you know, you, you're sitting on a hill and from there you're looking over and you say, I see a village down there. The others are still at the base of the mountain. You need to help them to climb up first I realized I gave a lot of analogies. Anyway, you need help them to climb up first <laughs> and then come to the position. And that can only be done if you make those steps for them, the, the quick wins for them. It gives a sense of credibility to your project. It gives them a sense of accomplishment because then a quick win is, is that, that aha moment. You know, it's like an encampment. You say, I've done this, I've accomplished this. And then you get the momentum going. If you do not time it well, again, you risk, uh, uh, you, you risk having too many laggards. You have risk using yeah. too many people who are disillusioned. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think, by the way, I love the analogy, especially when it comes to mounts, because I am a 
uh, a man drummer, so I love I love those analogies, and they they really uh, uh, you know help me visualize to you know things, and I explain a lot of my things about what you know when in the language of running or in the language of mountain climbing, which are the things that I do. So, uh, so Rohit, this has been a great conversation, and as we wrap it up, I I want to ask you one last question. We have been we spent our time in this podcast chatting about a dreamed HR, the capabilities that we need to make it happen, how to address the complexities of the challenges along the way. But I guess for you and for everybody else, in everything in life, there's always a first step in the journey. You know, every marathon begins with mile number one. What is mile number one for HR leaders to be able to build that dream HR? What is the first step in their to-do list to build this HR that you're talking about? Question everything. So if anything comes onto your table, any anything, this is the way we do things. If you hear anybody say that, question it. Why do we do things this way? Uh, can we do it better? Uh, for how long have we felt the need to necessarily do things this way? The questioning attitude or the being inquisitive is important. And the interesting thing is you learn that from kids. So I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. The amount of times I'm asked why that, why this, is, is amazing and I, I love it because uh, it shows interest, it shows an inclination to question what it is and it also helps them understand why it needs to be this way or why not. And they would actually from there build on a conversation where they were like, have you thought about this? Of course, more, more often than not, it's usually about her making, or my, my daughter's making a deal about ice cream and sweets and then me getting chided by my wife about that. But, <laughs> but it's, they make a very solid case I give you five minutes <laughs> of sanity if I get a chocolate. Anyway, uh, so the funny thing over here is being inquisitive, being like that four-year-old or a two-year-old is extremely important. Second thing I say, the very second step next to that is don't take yourself too seriously. Uh, I, I think people, as they grow within the organization, tend to have an air about them. Primarily, they think they need to appear to be pretty uh, serious, which I, I've honestly never understood why. Uh, I think that pushes away a lot many or people rather than bring them together. And especially since you mentioned very in the beginning of this podcast that we need to be more, even more collaborative than we've ever been. And to, to that extent, uh, I guess this COVID crisis has allowed us to be a bit more collaborative because we also connected over PCs. You guys are entering my home, I'm entering your home and so on and so forth. And now, now more than ever, we need to be able to communicate more effectively and also come together at remote network structures, organization structures. So to that extent, Having that air about us should definitely get deflated. Uh, be inquisitive, be humble. I guess two steps you need to take together uh, and balance that out. Oh, sorry. I was just, uh, I was, uh, can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Roy, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. I, I, I was, I don't know why I was so mute, but, um, oh. <laughs> I thought of something in mind. No, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for this two recommendations, you know, great 
I think it's a great starting point for, for HR leaders and for everybody in general to be more human on the one hand and to be able to ask better questions to question why things are in some ways in the organization, to be curious about people and sometimes get in the, in the shoes, right? To understand them better and to be able to serve them better. So great job, Roy. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. Great conversation. Thanks so much, Enrique. As always, pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next Hacking HR Podcast. See you all soon. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.